Kia ora. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Wallace Chapman here. We have Anna Dean and Peter Field with me this afternoon. It is wonderful to have your company as always. By the way, uh, the panel is on Spotify uh, if you don't have time to hear it live. Anyway, a government campaign has been suggesting people take five-minute showers to save on power bills in the cost of living crisis. Uh, it is called Find Money in Weird Places, and a highlights how New Zealanders can save up to $500 on the annual power bills with five easy tips. It's a campaign by the Energy Efficiency and Conservation Authority, that's ECA, and Consumer NZ. Now, National have poured cold water on it. One National MP called it risable that the government is telling people to take short showers as a fix to the cost of living crisis. National, they're not the only ones. Poverty campaigners have also taken the campaign to task. So is this tone deaf or actually really good, simple, everyday tips? With us is Action Station Director Cassie Hartendorp. Cassie, kia ora. Kia ora, how's it going? Very good. So on first read, launched today, how do you feel about this Find Money in Weird Places campaign? Yeah, so we're on the record as saying that this initiative strikes as profoundly immoral, and that's what we believe in. Um, the reason for this is that it pushes the responsibility ultimately onto individual households. But the problem is, is in this cost of living crisis, it's actually not caused by households, so it doesn't address the actual problem. But mostly, and secondly here, no one is actually questioning the massive profits that our power companies are making. So the biggest four companies literally doubled their combined net profit to $1.35 billion in the year to end of June. I think we've become a bit desensitised to how much money our major companies are making, but ultimately this siphons wealth away from the people and the public, and these things are connected. So the government could choose to spend more time reigning in the private market rather than asking families to turn off their appliances, but that's not the case in this initiative. Okay, so tone deaf and condescending. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't use the term tone deaf because just recognising that, um, you know, disability activists have been asking us to speak of it like that. But but ultimately, it is definitely condescending. It's insulting to people who are already working really hard on low budgets. It's not going to make a difference. We need stronger action. I hear what you're saying, Cassie, but then I read some of the tips. A lot, if you take a 50-minute shower, that costs you about a dollar each. I mean, that's a great, easy-to-understand tip that whether or not you agree with what you're saying, it's something that I can do tomorrow morning. Have a five-minute shower. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is is that people who are already struggling, and many are, are already doing a lot of these things. I don't know about you, but the people who are the poorest in my family know the best about how to budget already. So it's already telling people to suck eggs and it's not placing the responsibility and the actual action we're going to take where it needs to be placed. All right. Telling people where to suck to suck eggs. Peter Field. Cassie, that sounds pretty tone deaf to me. And I would certainly call it that if you wouldn't. Um, I, I just have a different view. I think it's fine for Radio New Zealand to have some suggestions, but I just don't feel this is the place for government. Since when are they to treat us like children? We're grown-ups. We'll decide how we'll lower our cost of living. We don't need, you know, a government to tell the citizens to eat eat less wheat bix. It's just, to me, uh, atrocious. This is the kind of nanny state we have. Get over it. Why doesn't the government decide not to give my friend $8,500 to assist him buying a $100,000 car? 
I think that would be a good start. Uh, these are, you know, your nanny stay, Peter. These are just really simple, easy to understand tips that you can just pick up on. Here's one for you. Um, if you have the heat pump setting on between 19 and 21 degrees, that could save your family, Peter, field up to 320 bucks a year. That's not nanny state. That's just simple advice for you. But who's giving the advice, Wallace? I'm sorry, but it's fine on the radio for you and me to have a chat and let people listen. It's a whole other thing for the government to tell people what to save on and treat them like they're children. Um, I I quite agree with Cassie. Um, You know what? The people who are tight with their budgets don't need the government telling them how to be tighter. Okay, Cassie, stay there. Anna? I don't agree at all, actually. It's um, it's quite interesting because I think that this campaign is probably aiming right at the middle. That's where people are having to think about this stuff for the first time. And it's really interesting. I learned a couple of years ago that actually boiling my kettle was one of the most expensive things I was doing in my household. I'd always fill it up almost to the top for one cup of tea. And I was like, this is, this is uh, somebody pointed out to me that it was crazy. I'd never thought about that before. And sometimes getting these little tips and tricks actually can make quite a difference to how you go about. And I would argue that ECA, which is a government, uh, it's an NGO possibly, I'm not sure of its status, it's a and Consumer New Zealand are actually tasked with giving this kind of information to the population so people can ease, a, ease the pressure of Cassie? these rising cases. Uh, Cassie, things. Peter, Cassie first. I mean, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying, Anna, but ultimately it's, I mean, these things get rolled out time and time again, and ultimately it's putting the cost of our cost of living crisis and the responsibility onto individuals. And I also think it's really misleading. You know, I was listening the other day to your program on Radio New Zealand in detail about greedflation, talking about how inflation causes more inflation. And so maybe you could argue that these tips are good in a non-inflation crisis, but right now, who's to say that power companies aren't going to push their prices up within the next week, month or year? And so any savings that theoretically the government is saying you're going to make won't even work because our inflation crisis hasn't been kept under control, and that's something the government can do more about. All right, bit of disagreement here. So what would you rather see instead? How would you like to see the government meaningfully address the cost of living? Well, most of us believe that everyone should have the resources they need to build their lives, they want for their families and themselves. We need strong public services. We need short waiting times at hospitals, great schools, childcare buses that actually show up. Over the years, we've turned to the private market to look after us, and it's not doing that. Large corporations are not taking care of us. They're looking after their shareholders. So we think that actually the government could do more. One way to do that is actually to look at large corporations across the board, look at how much excess profit they're making, and call on them to put that back into our economy, back into the public, back into the people, so we can have the things that we need, and people aren't forced to just save money on pulling the plug out from the kettle. Yeah, I think those, I mean, that sounds absolutely fantastic and brilliant. And obviously we'd like to be in that position, but in a short-term solution fix, I mean, things are getting cold. I've just been in Christchurch for a week. It was freezing. And um, I'm actually very grateful to have have these kinds of tips. Um, and yes, would love to know how to support these bigger aims. And I mean, what are you suggesting that people do towards these, um, putting pressure on the government in this way? Well, I think there's lots of different ways that people can do it. And, I mean, for us, we're starting up a campaign where we think that um, large corporations should get taxed more. We're calling for people to get involved. There's other places who are doing similar things. But as long as we stay freezing in our own homes 
on our own over this winter, it's not going to change. And I think there's there's something here about doing more and pushing for us to end this this actually quite extractionary and exploited situation that we have at the moment. Are you are you advising people not to take um, advantage of these tips? Having a five minute shower instead of fifteen minutes, um, putting your heat pump on between 19 and 21 degrees, um, washing in cold water rather than hot? I think lots of people are already doing that. I mean, I do most of the tips on that. It's not making much of a difference in terms of my cost of living crisis. I don't know about you. Nice one, Cassie. Great to have you on the programme. Uh, Kia ora. That's uh, Action Station Director Cassie Hartentop. Um, Oh, huge response uh, here. Um, Yeah, um, so I started showering every second day a noticeable impact on my power bill. I agree the message is aimed at the middle who haven't had really much time to think about this. Um, I think that Cassie and Peter complaining are tone deaf. No one is telling anyone to save money. It's advice to save money, i.e. tips to make savings. It's a great idea to make savings, especially right now with inflation running high. But um, Peter, if it wasn't the government, would would you rather some other independent company give us tips. Yeah, like like the media, which is just terrific. Um, I love listening to Anna and love listening to you. And um, I won't speak for Cassie, but for me, I am definitely tone deaf. All right. <laughs> okay. 17 past four. The panel RNZ National. We'll call them Generation Dry. That's what some of them, some people are calling them. A new study has found a dramatic drop in youth drinking over the last 20 years. And one of the reasons is the striking differences in the way high school students socialise compared to 20 years ago. Now, the report compared teenagers' social lives today and attitudes to alcohol to a similar group interviewed 20 years ago. Public health researcher Dr Jude Ball says that more than half of those who were in high school 20 years ago were regularly drinking and going to parties by the time they were in year 10. That's Form 4. The majority had been drunk at least once or twice and many drank to intoxication weekly. By contrast, just one of the year 10 students interviewed last year reported drinking alcohol socially. That's a big Big difference in that 20-year gap. And with us, Donna Gavorko, a general manager of Students Against Drunk Driving, has been following the issue for a couple of decades. Kia ora, Donna. Kia ora, how are you? Good. As a person who has closely watched alcohol and youth, what do you make of this finding? Uh, yeah, well, we're, um, we we kind of agree and we kind of know that there uh, are still some young people drinking. Um, anecdotally, we have been told by our students that they're um, taking a lot more responsibility around alcohol, um, a lot more than what their parents did at their age. And they are—they seem to be a lot more aware of the effects of alcohol and how it will impact onto their lives, yeah. Because well, one point was that there was less social stigma now if you didn't have a drink in your hand. And I'm just thinking anecdotally growing up, that's actually quite a sea change. It is. Um, I mean... Chased by social media, and it's all the talk now. Um, we can know you just that. Sort of, can you people, repeat that because you, you you blanked out a bit? Oh, sure. That we we know that social media has replaced a lot of um, those type of activities that young people are doing now. 
that they do spend a lot of time. Um, we just had a student today tell us that she spends an average of six hours a day on social media. <laughs> so okay. I think that that is making a difference. And that was one of the findings, wasn't it? Maybe one of the unintended consequences of social media mm. use uh, as opposed, Anadine, to the local park or the local uh, car park in Nelson, Tahuna Nelson there. <laughs> it's on social media. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's really interesting, um, and and the work I've done around social media that that kind of self surveillance that happens. People don't want to get um, filmed or taken photos of while they're while they're blind drunk and and be made the laughing stock around school the next day because that can that that can happen. I mean, I'm I'm very glad a lot of the behaviour that I got up to when I was a teenager doesn't exist on... Well, can I um, ask you personally, um, (laughs) because we're talking in the office, um, people say, people drink in uh, year 10, that's form 4, form 5. How can you come back to that, Anna? I definitely, I mean, I'm 45 years old at that time. I was drinking at that at that age. I'm, I'm sure I would go to wow. parties where there would be alcohol when I was 15. Um, in Nelson, it was it was it was quite common. And uh, Nahiri Gold, we used to drink very strong beer. It was Good. something like grief. Six percent. Don't look so shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a different social time, different social norms, oh. different pressures. Um, there was no conversation happening around mental health, physical health and well-being like there is now. I mean, I think there's such a wealth of information that's available. Donna, do you think that that's actually um, fed into that shift as well? Oh, definitely. There's been a lot more education in schools around alcohol. I know in our program as well, we don't just talk about the dangers of drink driving um, and causing death and serious injury, but it talks a lot about loss of opportunities in life, career, travel, and getting in trouble with the police. And I think that young people are just a lot more aware of the, the social issues that are involved with alcohol now. Yeah, people are saying, but well, what are they substituting with? Well, the findings are nothing. Uh, social media. All right, Peter Field. Right. Well, who wouldn't um, cheer this result? Um, but statistics are in isolation always a concern. So the first question I'd have for our guest, Donna, is whether we have equivalent statistics for student drunk driving. So if the rates of drunk driving have not materially changed, then I'm not sure about what it means about young people drinking. The second one I would also have is um, around mental health. Joe, we had on earlier, and I think there is a lot of concern about teenage mental health and especially about girls and social media. So um, um, not that drinking is good and certainly binge drinking is bad, but um, I worry about the kids becoming so serious and about a mental health crisis generally so that drinking, yeah, that's something to feel good about, but I need a much bigger perspective okay. before I uh, get excited. Yeah. yeah, fair enough, Donna. Yeah, the, um, the drink driving statistics, um, are, they, have, they are trending down um, for young people involved in alcohol-related crashes. However, they are still up there. Unfortunately, we have yeah. had still some very recently some very tragic crashes mm, yes. involving young people. So no, I totally agree. I think that in isolation, the study shows that um, there are some young people who are stopping, you know, slowing down drinking, but there are still a pocket of young people who are, it's very concerning that they're still taking massive risks on our road. Um, while the, the stats look good at the moment, um, yeah, it's only a little while away before it trends back up again. So we do need to keep the foot on the accelerator, so to speak, and <laughs> to make sure that um, people are really aware of the dangers of alcohol and, and um, around that and that young people are still 
being given this education to keep them aware of it. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, one thing I didn't mention, uh, Donna, uh, sort of back, uh, sort of coming back to Peter's point, there is a significant proportion that are still binge drinking. Nonetheless, are you hoping that this will just, um, you know, uh, uh, keep going? Because Anna is right. Uh, there was there's quite a bit of awareness with young people now that actually are uh, in my age and stage, drinking at fourteen or fifteen just isn't good for me. Um, I can also talk about it, like in the, for the fact I used to be a police officer as well, and okay. um, I, ha- I have I have seen that you know there is there is still unfortunately a fair amount of young people are still drinking, and there right. still is a lot of binge drinking going on. Um, but then on the other hand, compared to I guess if you look back you know to the eighties nineties, I don't think it's as prevalent as what it was going on. Um, there's a smaller pockets of it doing some more things, and it's in the media more, and we've got social media, so we're more aware of it of what's going on as well. And and that's where the dangers are as well. Is, is that um, kind of like nor- normalising it through social media and the things that they get up to, then other people try it. So we've we've got to try and make sure that we're doing a lot to to um, counter it and educate people on the, the the you know the risks around drinking and especially around getting into a car when you've been intoxicated. Nice to have you on the program, Kia ora, Donna. Yep, Thank Donna Gavorko, the general manager of Students Against Drunk Driving um, panel. A lot of whether you're pro tip or anti tip. Uh, regarding uh, power savings, uh, the trick to saving power is to spend the mornings out, out somewhere else. Keep warm at the library. Go swimming, cycling, walking. A- attend church on Sunday because it's cosy there, followed by a cup and a scone. Fair Handy. enough, eh? Yeah, be a parent, help at a school or kindy. Go to bed early with a hottie. Uh, a cup of a, a wine, a good book, turn on RNZ and save on warming the lounge room. Bliss, it works. So uh, Jack Jacqueline has got a, a whole lot of tips there, Peter. If you're cold, go to church because there might be a cup and it's gone after. Well, I might not quite make that one on Sunday, but I like a lot of the others. The wine in, under the cover sounds awfully good. Yeah. Uh, now, by the way, Students Against Dangerous Driving is uh, the uh, is what Donna Gavorko was the general manager of. Oh, I think I said students against drunk driving. It's twenty six past four. The panel RNZ National. I appreciate all your responses. Got a huge response regarding uh, whether or not you found those tips nanny state or not. But I came across a couple of actually get them. Here we go. Uh, knitted hangers, coat hangers in the studio. It's winter, uh, it's cold, and asking for a friend, what's a good craft to take on during winter? And usually we get run off our feet with responses. I got, I got not one. Zilch. No one came back to me with a good craft that I could um, take up on a cold winter's night. Uh, So obviously craft in this country is dead, but... Here I have these knitted coat hangers. And Anna Dean, I recall that you made these. I didn't actually make them. I'm sorry. Oh, right. I'm sorry g- to admit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been collecting knitted coat that's hangers right. for a, years. You're a collector. Yes. And I have over a hundred of them. And after you mocked me mercilessly I on yeah. air, I got given a whole lot more, um, <laughs> which is why I've given <laughs> these you to really? you. <laughs> yeah. So that's my gift to you. Knitted, knitted coat hangers. And I got really, I, I got really... Uh, 
in the can. I was canned for it, wasn't I? Because I said they were brutally ugly. Yes, um, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're so helpful. They're, they're well-shaped. They're great for all kinds of um, garments, particularly if you've got shoulder pads or, yeah. or silks and things like that. If, if I may, lovely. Wallace, let me understand this. You thought that Anna made them herself and they were brutally ugly. Yeah, I really misread the room oh. with these. So that's why I bought them up. I thought, oh, you're coming in live. Yes. Uh, here they are. Um, you but, obviously but, haven't taken them home. No. <laughs> <laughs> but people said, people said to me, you're missing the point, Wallace, because these knitted coat hangers serve a real good purpose around the sort of things you can put on them. Absolutely, absolutely. They're, they're the best, much better than those wooden, wooden or plastic things. And um, someone's put a lot of heart and soul and energy into those. They're often found in op shops around the South yeah. Island. I think they're fantastic. Some people go to extra special lengths, and I'm, I'm sure that's what people are doing this winter. Well, a belated thank you. A oh, you're welcome. You. I'm gonna, uh, Hopefully you'll take them home. Take <laughs> Quickly, Wiles, I'm, I'm going to yeah. take a quick, very quick right turn and just suggest that if people do crafts, and maybe this is why you're not hearing a thing except the crickets, uh, they're busy with their hands, so they have to put down their phones. Oh, nice one. Everybody's on their phones instead of crafting. Segwaying those uh, topics together, but um, I'll just uh, a slight recorrection there because they're they're coming through in droves. There we go. I crochet rugs in winter. As they grow, the warmer are my knees. Uh, Wallace panel, I knit over winter, mainly socks for family members. Try planting stock whips in the evening. Uh, Wallace, try doing your family tree during the winter. Be prepared to be addicted. Oh, look out. Yeah, look out. Not quite sure about that. Uh, now, by the way, um, we had a big response as well to people who said, look, uh, this, the reason people get porn sites in the results is because they put in inadequate search terms. Instead of turkey stuffing, you have to do recipes turkey stuffing, says Susan. And uh, Ian says, well, maybe adults should be more considerate uh, and uh, around the words. My nine-year-old daughter was given the word, be- or was given the beaver as her animal to investigate by her teacher. What did they think was going to turn up? She was horrified. We were astounded.